And uh, we're back, Miss McGinnis. We we forgot to do Tommy's quotes from his book. Yeah, so, sorry, Miss McGinnis. Uh, so Tommy, wonderful day. Yeah. So Tommy, what, any quotes that you liked in the book? Yes, there's two quotes. The first one is, "I weep for narcissists, but I never noticed that narcissists were beautiful. I weep because each time he knelt beside my banks, I could see in the depths of his eyes my own beauty reflected. What a lovely story, the alchemist thought. The reason why I like this quote is because narcissist is like narcissistic, you know. Uh, where you're like full of yourself, you know, and there's a lot of people who are like that. And he, at one point, was full of himself because, you know, he got so rich, the alchemist. And then when he became the alchemist, he realized that there was beauty within himself that made him happy. Yeah. But he could also, like, it's almost like he could make the other people around him happy just because he's happy for himself, and then he'll find happiness. Like, to, yeah. he'll find reasons to be happy for other people. That makes sense. And then the second quote is, you may, or, sorry, you must understand that love never keeps a man from pursuing his destiny. If he abandons that pursuit, it's because it wasn't true love. The love that speaks the language of the world. I like this because, you know, one of the whole big core concepts of the book was that love is the uh, universal language. And yeah. I actually agree with this because just now, like, I see a lot of kids, you know, just making bad decisions now and how they they kept saying how they have such a bright future and whatnot. And then they worked so hard to get through high school just to make poor decisions, you know, and I sort of looked at it like, you know, they just didn't believe in themselves enough and they didn't love the they didn't love almost, the grind enough. Or almost almost love for yourself too. Yeah. Like they, they didn't they didn't respect themselves. And I think that's also like I think it's sort of a parenting thing too. You know, I think it's sort of the way you're raised too that sort of helps. But I do think that love is uh, the strongest thing when it comes to chasing something. Yeah. Like when I read that it makes me think of this professional boxer who's the heavyweight champion. His name is Deontay Wilder. He was uh, he was gonna be a D1 basketball football player, but then he had a daughter in college, and the girl had spina bifida, like spina bifida chloritis or spina bifida chloritis or something like that, where her spine's not right, and he didn't understand anything about it, but she quit his quit college and became a Budweiser worker. Started work boxing on the side, like he'd take his Budweiser delivery truck to the gym to box sometimes <laughs> yeah. during his break. Because he, he just needed a way to relieve stress, and he found out he's pretty good at it. And then he chased it all because he loved his daughter so much that he wanted to help her, even though he didn't understand anything about it. But he, she needed medicines and stuff, and help, and a lot of things. And so he uh, used the love that he had for her and pursued it. And he's always talking about how much he loves her, and if he didn't have that love for her, then he wouldn't be boxing. Yeah. That's good. I like that. All right. Thank you, Tommy. No problem. Have a good This is Adam. This is Tommy. And we're going to be reviewing Tommy's book. Um, so let's just go right into it. So, Tommy, what was the name of your book? Well, if you look on the board, it says nothing, but it is The Alchemist by Paulo. Paulo Coelho. I think it's butchered his last name, but it's no. um, and, uh, It's a fiction, and it's 208 pages long. 208. So it's not. So it's a short read. Yeah, it's a short to medium, I'd say. Not a big fan of reading. I'm just thinking you'll see that when you uh, read the paper that I write about how awful I do, how dreadful the reading is to me. Yeah. So it's, 
Yeah. I know how you feel. <laughs> um, so, is it first person, third? Well, uh, is first person the one where they say I'm? Right? Yeah. No, it's, it's uh, more of like, it's, it's a story narrated, so it's like third person. Okay. It's about this guy named Santiago, and the uh, author's narrating what's going on with this life. He's going I heard a lot of people, they read that book and they really liked it, but I don't know anything about it. Like, what's the... All right. What's the main? Well, okay, yeah. I looked up popular easy to read books. I'm taking the easy way out, I know. But uh, I saw The Alchemist and I've heard of it before, so I read it. And it's about this man named Santiago who's a shepherd. And he has a 60 sheep. Well, I'm, I'm guessing 60 sheep because he, he has a dream underneath a sycamore tree. And every time he takes a nap out there, when he's, when he's watching his sheep, it's the same thing over and over again where he's in Egypt and he's... Uh, yeah, he lives in Egypt? Oh, no, uh, he lives... He lives across the Sahara in... Uh, so he lives on that part of the country? Yeah, he lives, he lives uh, on the African continent. That part of the world? Yeah. Okay. But he, he has to travel across the Sahara to go to Egypt. But so he has this dream where he's at the base of the pyramids, I want to say, and there's a treasure right there for him. He wakes up and he doesn't know what they are, so he goes to this lady, sort of this, um, this like Egyptian fortune teller lady, to see what the dream means. And she tells him that he's going on a trip to see what the treasure is. And so he goes outside and sits, sits down. This is in the plaza, it's in the public area. He sits down and starts thinking. This man comes up and he says, he knows exactly what he's thinking about and says he needs to go to Egypt. He says, the man says, you need to sell your sheep. He said, I'll buy 10% of your sheep, which is six, so it's six sheep. Yeah. He says he'll buy 10% of his sheep, and he ends up buying six sheep. Yeah. I'm guessing it's 60 sheep, right? And so he says, I'll buy your sheep from you. I'll buy 10% of your sheep. So then Santiago is questioning if the man and the fortune teller lady working in cahoots. But uh, he decides to put that down. And he sells the six sheep to him, and he sells the 54 sheep to another friend who's always dreaming of being a shepherd or whatnot. So then he starts this journey, and he starts traveling across the Sahara. Well, first, actually first he gets there. He gets to, uh, so he needs to go see an omen. Um, I mean, he needs to get the rock from the omen, which is the person who bought the sheep from the six sheep. Wait, what's the rock? The rock. I'm getting the rocks. So oh, okay. Two rocks. One, uh, one is uranium. Uranium, and the other one is uranium. Or no, no, no it's uranium. not uranium. Okay. It's two made-up words. One's okay. Uranium and one's aramonian, aramonian, or something like that. Okay. And so he has these two rocks, and the omen goes, "Okay, you got to go to Sahara now, and you got to meet up with this guy named." Um, Meltkeister or Meltkeister and uh, he'll take you on your travel so then he gets there to Meltkeister right he has this mic from Son of Sheep he gets there meets Meltkeister and uh, then they get robbed on a trip there the way there they get robbed across the Sahara yeah across the Sahara uh, Taliban or a tribal unit comes up but they the tribal people don't carry any weapons around right? yeah. so they get robbed and sort of like indentured servant but sort of not but they get robbed, right? So he needs to find work. So he goes and works for another fortune teller in 
the part of the Sahara he's in, and he ends up becoming super rich there. But then he sees these two hawks get in a fight, and then he has another dream. Uh, well, actually, it was a vision of the tribal people being attacked. So he runs and tells the tribal leader. The tribal leader decides to uplift the rule that there's no weapons allowed. But if if they if they aren't attacked in like a week or two weeks or something like that, they're gonna kill Santiago. Because they think he's lying. Yeah. Okay. And then he walks out of the tent of where he told the tribal leader. He's walking out, and this dude on a horse comes up and tells him the prophecy, or just well helps fulfill the prophecy of uh, all these things that Santiago is doing. Helps put them, put it together. Santiago then realizes that the universal language. Is love. I, I know. I know. I'm explaining it pretty confusingly. It was yeah, a that was confusing. It was a confusing. Wait, so who's the guy on the horse? Where does he come? I, I, we don't know. He just comes. He just comes up. So and so then they end up. The tribal people end up letting Santiago go because they get attacked or whatnot or whatever, right? Yeah. And so then they're they're on their way back to Egypt, right? And he's walking with Melkizer and a few other people, and then he meets an English alchemist who they end up getting attacked again. Oh, wow. When they're almost there, like they're super. By the tribal people or no? No, different people now. And so he loses all, he loses everything, but they're about to kill him. And then the English alchemist, who's looking for the master alchemist. <laughs> okay, so the English alchemist is looking for the master alchemist. And then the alchemist tells the Taliban, or uh, tribal people, sorry, that they can't kill Santiago because he's a master alchemist and he'll kill them. And okay. he goes, he goes, within three days, Santiago will have a windstorm, or we'll kill you guys with wind. And Santiago's like, what is he talking about? Oh, I'm not doing this, because he's still trying to learn how to do alchemistry or whatever. And he only knows, like, the first step that the universal language is love. And so then Santiago, for three days, he's, like, caught in this thing. He's caught in between, right? Yeah. So he's praying, and then he realizes the stones he has is uh, part of the the soul of the earth, the soul of the world, right? Sounds crazy. So then he's praying to the wind, the sun, and the sand. And then in three days, he ends up having a sandstorm that he prayed for, and they killed the tribe. So it actually happened. And he got, he got away from Oh, so... It Oh, so the, the sandstorm killed the people that were holding yeah. him last? And then when then he, they uh, skip, 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 right? Skipping all the like parts that aren't that important. They end up getting to Egypt, and the treasury is he's the alchemist or uh, whatnot. Like, so he what realizes happened? that he, he can put everything together in the world, like oh, the so soul can... of the world, how it all works with nature, and how the rocks work, and how he learns how alchemist, alchemist stuff works for the English guy. So does the book just end there, or with him becoming an alchemist? Or no, no, I mean, it, it, it sort of ends with him becoming, like, like, he is self, he is self, uh, self-actualization. Yeah, so self-actualization. So he reaches the, the very top of Maslow's hierarchy, which, yeah. which very few people reach. Okay, so he's in completely in check with himself. And yeah, knows, and with the world around. And with the world. So he is so he finally reaches like divine self So now is he is he uh, rich again or no? He just now that he is like content well, he's, with he's himself. Rich and happy. Yeah, he's content with him, himself. So he doesn't need the riches of the world anymore. No, he really doesn't. That's crazy that he got I know robbed I twice. It pretty bad and confusing. Okay, but it has a, a deep deep meaning. Yeah. Um, and you know, I actually really like the book because. Uh, some of the stuff they talk about I sort of believe in like 
like a lot of people's core values and the core values is love. Yeah. So that could be a uh, uh, language among the whole world, you know? Sort of like how math is almost. But, um, yeah, you know, you know how they say math is a language? Uh, that okay. Yeah, everyone can understand it. So, like, sort of like love, sort of the same way, because so many people have it as a core belief. And then also, you know, this is going to sound really weird, but I do believe in the soul of the world and that you can get the elements to work with each other and you can get, like, God's power to help you out. You know, sort of like, it's just all, like, all energy. I'm a big believer. Are you like a. And like, like Reiki and all that stuff. Good, uh, good mojo? Oh, yeah, more than that, though, but yeah. 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 Like, like uh, sort of like sacred... Like, when I was reading this, if you do some research on sacred geometry and how powerful that is, then you're like... Oh. I don't know what that is. Though. Okay, well, sacred geometry is like... So, you, before Stephen Hawkins died, he's one of the people that said something that people started believing more, was he was like, everything in the universe is made of math. He's like, everything's made of all these math symbols. Everything, yeah, numbers like, and... This is a math symbol, the wall is a math symbol, the planets are math symbols. And that's sort of like yeah. sacred geometry. And they say if you can do sacred geometry, it can help you bring out powers and magic, but not really magic. Like, like not not powers. Like you can fly, but powers yeah. as in like you can find figure out stuff. Okay. And you can attract more positive energy. I don't know if you've heard of uh, which is the Fibonacci. Uh, and there's a that also has to do with numbers and like how trees grow and the stock market and everything is like goes off of a Fibonacci sequence it's pretty cool if you look that up it's all connected bro it's all energy so like if you can do sacred geometry then you can attract better things and like actually the first day of spring is called the spring equinox and that's a big time when people do sacred geometry and try to change the energy fields and I actually did some of that then and uh it's actually attracted a lot of good energy you know so it seems like you like the book yeah, 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 you're right. Thanks for getting me back on topic. But the book, I liked it because I feel like I could relate to it. Yeah. It's almost like, I know I was taking the easy way out, and it was one of the first books I saw that was short in pages. But it, it's almost like the book was calling me. Not, yeah. not calling me, but I was like, it's, it's almost like it was meant for me to read it. Yeah. You know? uh, would you recommend it to other people? Or? Uh, yeah, I definitely recommend it to people who can I don't know, for me it was a little bit of suffering because it, it, the story, uh, I didn't read it every day, so that first off her. It was kind of hard to follow? Yeah, it was really hard to follow. But it, it, it can be read by anyone. Yeah, um, definitely. Okay, definitely. so, and anything you'd like to say to the author? Good, bad, nothing? Uh, you liked his book? No, I liked, it, I liked his book. I liked his book. Okay, that's Maybe enough. Maybe get a new last name. What's but his like, last name again? Just like, Qualo? Uh, Qualo? Qualio? Qualo? Sounds like a cool last name. Alright. Thank you, Tommy. Uh, no problem. Hey, Miss Meenis. It's Tommy. It's Adam. Uh, we're, I'm interviewing Adam right now about his podcast. I mean, his book. So I'm making a podcast about his book first. All right, Adam. Right off the bat, what's the name of the book? Uh, the book I read was Happiness is a Serious Problem. And it's, uh, it's by Dennis Prager. It's a self-help or like health, mind, and body um, right, genre. So first question. 
Yeah. What is what? Why is the book called Happiness is a Serious Problem? Like, why is it a serious problem? So the whole book is centered around happiness and why our perception of happiness is skewed. Um, so just basically, it's happiness is like we can determine our own happiness. So you can make uh, you can make a situation happy or make you happy or you can make make you unhappy so, so it's the book written first person first yeah person. it's first person so it's basically like um, trying to be happy and then having something else make you unhappy instead of already being unhappy and then having something unhappy happen so is the book if, if it's in first person is it uh, it's not written or is it written formal or is it funny or dry or I'd say it's more formal because it's a but it has some humor but it's more formal because it's a Dennis Prager is a more sophisticated writer yeah, he's also a talk show radio host looks like a pretty old book so let's look at it I say it's sophisticated use bigger words but not overly um, like words it's words that we already knew or I already knew um, so it's not like a hard medical book or something. But Did you like it? I liked it, yeah. Would you really. recommend it? I would recommend it because it's it's um, it's for a broad group of readers. It's not just one person. It's like not people who are like not young kids or older. It can be young, old, anyone just looking to so improve if their it's life. Young, old, or whatever. Who who told you about the book? Who told you to read it? Um, well, I found this book in my dad's library, and so I I just kind of looked at it. I was like, oh, this is interesting. Um, so I didn't. No one recommended it to me. I just kind of picked it up, and yeah, it was interesting. And if you could say one thing to the author about how awful or great the book is, what would that one thing be? Um, I liked how it wasn't very such a long book. It was on the shorter side. Uh, it was only about 100, 169 pages for the hard hardcover um, form. And I liked because it wasn't overly just boring, like so just like straight, just like point after point. He uh, mixes in stories and why he believes what he says. So let's hear the quotes. Um, before I get to the quotes, I'm gonna just say a little bit like the basic premise of the book. Um, so, it, let's see. I, oh, that's the wrong one. Sorry. Uh, so, we are not like actually obligated to be happy because um, that makes us better people. So, achieving happiness won't be easy. And it requires continuing process of counting your blessings and giving up any expectations that life is supposed to be wonderful. So in in the book, he Dennis Prager talks a lot about just being happy for what you got, and he gives an analogy a lot. Um, this is given a lot, but like how the poor man can find happiness in the little things that he has, but then the rich man is um, unhappy with everything that he has. So it's just taking your life and trying to find what makes you happy and and not trying to be so negative or cut out expectations that if you don't have uh, this or something materialistic that you won't be happy. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. Starting the brighter side. Yeah, because I tend to look at other people and look at what other people have and think about um, um, why don't I have that? But although I'm already blessed because we live in America and we have all everything uh, at our fingertips, we can get kind of blinded by everything that we have. And the book showed me to just look at what I have in my life and just count the, count all the happiness and the blessings that I have. And that will ultimately make you happier. And then when you're, when you're actually happier, you do more good. And then when you're actually unhappy, then you just do more evil things or you don't help out to do good. Because when you're happy, you're in a better mood and you're, you make other people around you feel better. So, yeah, so some quotes that I picked were um, Dennis Prager says, I try to be happy unless something happens that makes me unhappy rather than unhappy unless something makes me happy. So just continuing on living your life in happiness and then if something bad comes along, well then you're going to be unhappy for a little bit, but then changing that to continuing to live your life in happiness instead of always being unhappy and then trying to find something that makes you happy. Now when you're 18 years on this earth, can you relate to that quote? Yeah, I can, I'd say definitely as you get older, you tend to become more unhappy because you start to become more self-conscious as when I was young or when we're all pretty young, we're just so like free and um, really don't have any cares in the world. So I'd say definitely nowadays, uh, I found myself being unhappy and trying to find something that makes me happy. But and but I should really just be looking at the happy uh, things that I have in my life. And then some other, another quote I have is uh, instead of allowing the world evil to prevent me from being happy, which would only give evil another victory, I have chosen to fight fight it in the best of my abilities. Um, so it's just again not allowing the materialistic things of the world or all the bad that goes around the world because if you just look at the news and everything it's all just bad and evil things but cut try to cut that out and look at um, and look at the happiness in your life and not obviously don't stop watching the news or stop looking at the evil because you have to see what's going on but Try not to make it affect your life as much as so sort of like start focusing more on, on what you have, not what other people don't have. Yeah. Focus on what you have and don't let you be, let yourself become a victim. Because um, in the book they also talk about vi victimizing, and that's one of the worst things that can uh, ruin your happiness is looking at yourself and calling yourself a victim because. I don't have this or that, or my friend has all this, um, or like look at all the people, the celebrities, uh, why do they have all that and I'm, I don't have a lot. Um, so it's like 95% of people are victims. Yeah, so don't look at yourself as a victim, instead of look at what you've got, which, look at what you have in your life and look at what God has given you and be happy for that. And Dennis also brings a kind of religious side to it because he is a, he is a, uh, he is a re religious person, so I like that in the book. Um, but that might turn away some people who aren't religious, especially nowadays a lot of the millennials are pushing away from religion. So 
some people might not like the book in that regard. But Would you recommend this book to anybody? I'd recommend it to everyone. Um, but it has some touchy subjects because he does use religion in the book and not everyone is religious but I don't think you have to be religious to read the book because uh, all the points and all the stuff that he makes in the book are can apply to anyone no matter what religion what race what just applies to human beings in general sounds good yeah cool alright thanks Adam for your time thank you thanks Miss McGinnis